looks different from up here. <laughs> you guys have faces. That's cool. <laughs> Not just the backs of your heads. That's cool. Um, hey, good morning. I'm Aaron. Um, JD's on vacation, so he'll be back next week. Thank you guys very much. Fantastic. Um, can you stick around till Wednesday night? <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, it, it would be nice having a polished musician here on Wednesday night, but that's okay. So um, let's, uh, we're going to be in 2 Kings 11 and maybe 12. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Um, there's no claps there. That's okay. No. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. All right, let's pray and we'll get started. Lord Jesus, just thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Uh, we love you and we love your word, and that's why we're here. Um, we've come here to worship you and to learn from you, Lord. And um, we know that your word is living and powerful, and um, that makes it so easy on someone that stands up here and um, would try to pretend to know something about your word, Lord, because it's your Holy Spirit that does the work and teaches people. And um, so, Lord, we just pray to that end this morning that your Holy Spirit would be here, that your Holy Spirit would teach us. Um, and we know you do that by your word, and that's why we're diligent to teach it, Lord. And um, so, yeah, we just pray this morning that Whatever you would have us to learn, Lord, um, that you would do that for us individually. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, 2 Kings 11. It gets less bloody today. Um, there's still, well, there's a lot of uh, bloody things that happen. We're just not as, uh, um, it's not as explicitly told out, like Jezebel being stomped on by the horse. So, um, that should be good. So, Let's just go ahead and get started. Verse 1, chapter 11. My biggest thing on trying to um, prepare for this was just learning who these people are and how to pronounce their names. So um, good luck. So when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. Okay. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. So he was under, sorry, he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So remember, Jehu has done what the Lord commanded him to and, and taken out basically all the um, house of Ahab, right? Ahab and Jezebel. Well, Typically, that means the men um, to take out all the heirs, and um, but you know the sins of not sins passed down, but you know the character of um, a father and mother can be passed down to a daughter as well, and that's the case here. Athaliah is the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Imagine that. So, um, and she's the mother of Ahaziah. Ahaziah has been killed now, and Jehu is reigning in the northern kingdom of Israel, and so there's kind of this power void in the southern kingdom, and Athaliah decides to, you know, have her go at it. And so she kills all the heirs of Ahaziah. Okay. Um, and uh, so Joash, who's later going to be called Jehoash, um, yeah, so it gets kind of uh, um, confusing, but um, gets saved by this Jehoshaphat. We see this a lot. Um, we just read about it on Wednesday night. Moses being saved um, uh, and put in the ark and pushed down the river. And um, um, obviously, we've seen it um, 
like the babies are the easiest thing to take out for Satan, it seems like. He's wanting to stop, um, assuming that Jehoash is in the line of Christ, but his name's not mentioned in Matthew. Um, and they kind of skip over him when they're going down the line of the kings and everything. But um, this is, just seems to be another ploy by Satan to stop the Christ from coming, which is futile um, to fight against God. Um, but he does it here again. So, um, you know, I think of Isaac when, you know, it was God himself that told Abraham to take him up on the mountain and to um, kill him, but God stopped him. Isaac, obviously being in the lineage of Christ, and then um, Moses, you know, delivering the people out, um, being saved from, from death, Jehoash here, or Joash. And then um, another person that King Herod wanted to destroy, you know, all these people, it's not just Herod and Athaliah and Jezebel and Ahab. These people are obviously under Satan's control. They're satanic people. Um, and, and so they're trying to destroy the Messiah, destroy the line of the Messiah. So, and of course, Jesus, um, Joseph and Mary being warned in a dream, take Jesus and take him down to um, Egypt, and, um, and he's preserved. So um, uh, anyway, we see that a lot through the scriptures. So um, let's go on in verse 4. In the seventh year of Jehoiada, so this is the priest here, um, in the seventh year, Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of hundreds of the bodyguards and the escorts, um, who's like the, the queen's guard, and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. And he made a covenant with them and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what ye shall do. One third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house. One third shall be at the gate of Sir. One, and one-third of the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off-duty on the Sabbath shall, be, shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man in his weapon, in his hand. And whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were to be on duty on the Sabbath and those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. So this is their um, kind of coup um, being set up under Athaliah. So um, it seems also that you know the escort is probably her personal guard, her secret service. Nobody wants Athaliah to be the queen of Judah. So this is in the southern kingdom again. Um, and rightfully so. Um, Judah has a record of that being much more godly than Israel as the, the two split. Um, not great, but still much more godly. Um, actually had some good kings along the line. Um, now notice here that Jehoiada gets all the people together um, and, uh, and is protecting this one kid here. You know, that's why Athaliah went under, uh, against all these kids. They're easy to take out. Um, and that all costs, they're going to protect the true king here. So, and Jehoiada, having maybe raised him in the temple, um, knowing this was much more likely to be a godly man, um, is going to try to set him up as king. And rightfully so, he's the son of um, Ahaziah. So um, he should be in the lineage anyway. So, um, but... You know, I was thinking through 
and you know you can get up here and just read and that's fine you know um but how god protects us now in revelation he calls us kings and priests um in revelation 1 5 and um you know in our world today a lot of people are probably wondering if god's protecting them or going to protect them um it's pretty cool how this kid really had no way to protect himself. Um, but Jehoiada, the whole army and a whole escort come around him um, to set this up. Um, Psalm 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Psalm 139, 5 says, You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. It's kind of where we get the hedge of protection from. And uh, in Job, you remember that Satan comes to talk to God, and God says, what about Job? Job, he's holy, you know, he serves me. And, uh, and Satan says, You've, uh, have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. Um, really what, um, you know, I just wanted to point out here is that God can and um, wants to protect us. He really does. Um, there's an enemy that comes against us, Satan, um, and uh, God is more than able to protect us. However, the reason why Satan, Satan's saying that in Job, in verse 9 before that, um, so Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? You know, God's saying, Job fears me. He fears me more than anyone else on earth. And Satan's saying, that's nice, he does, because he blessed him so much. So he doesn't love you for you, he doesn't fear you for you. He fears you because you protected him, that you've increased, that you've blessed him, all of his possessions have increased. Um, so as I'm thinking about the protection of the Lord, and he does that, and, um, but to me, that's at his own discretion, however he wants that to play out. Um, if he wants to allow Satan to attack me, that's fine. That's at his discretion, you know. Um, we read things like this and think, you know, and again, maybe it's just where my head jumps to, but um, that God's going to protect me. He's going he's gonna to take care of me, and he absolutely will. And my protection, my salvation is eternal. Um, I'm not that much concerned with how I'm protected on the earth. Um, because we're told that tribulations are going to come our way, um, we're told that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So if you see something like this and think, and read the Psalms, you know, but you got to read both sides of them, you know, uh, I've been encamped all around, but God's my protection, you know. They've come against me, but God's my protection. Um, one side of it, and you get a skewed picture of God, I think. Um, I, have, I have no expectations of how God is going to protect me and preserve my life only as much as he wants to. And so, um, of course, what happened to Job? God takes, well, Satan, God allows it, and Satan takes everything away from him, and he still fears the Lord. So, um, but when you don't have that protection, then you know, you know if you're serving God to serve God or you're serving God um, to gain something from him or to be protected by him. So anyway, all that aside, Jehoiada is setting up the new king here. So 
Let's go to verse 10 here. And the priests gave the captains of hundreds the spears and the shields that belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escorts stood, every man with his weapon in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple, by the altar and the house. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. They made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. Now when Athaliah heard the noise of the escorts, you see that all the time, you people hear noise, what's going on over there? Um, uh, when she heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people in the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king standing by a pillar according to the custom. And the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. So Athaliah tore her clothes and cried out, treason, treason. That's funny, you know, everyone's like, obviously the people do not like this woman. <laughs> she's, not, she's not, no one's thrilled. And it's kind of funny um, how people can be so self-unaware. Is that a word? Um, but, uh, and she yells out treason, like her guard's going to kill this boy now. And uh, I, I mean, I'm assuming that's what she's thinking. She's saying, treason, get him. This is not right. I'm the queen. And they're like, what? No. No. Um, so it's interesting here that, um, you know, Jehoiada seems to be doing this right. And, you know, as you read through here, like, man, they get so close, you know. Um, Jehu, he got so close. and But that's going to be everybody. David, he got so close, you know, um, until the Christ comes and he did it. Perfect. And he did it right and he finished it. But until that time has come now, but to these, um, he had not yet. Um, they get so close. But Jehoiada, I think he's doing the best that he can here. And the main thing is he gives him the testimony. That's what a king does, right? And we know the testimony to be the law or the Torah, the Pentateuch, um, the book of Moses, the law of Moses, all these things that is called the first five books of the Bible. Um, but in one of those books, in Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, um, God tells Moses, also, it shall be, you know, having the foresight that God has, it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of the law in a book from, uh, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And I shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of the law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. Um, that's the whole point of the law, right? Um, that's the whole point. Um, you know, there's a lot to take there. That's a great set of scriptures there. To have the book, to have a copy of the book. And we see time and time again that when the book gets brought out, that the things change, you know? There's a lot of churches, the book doesn't really get brought out a lot, you know, and doesn't get taught. This is so easy, honestly, to, to walk up here and be, okay, Second Kings 11. Let's read it and find out what it means, you know. Um, you know, we were talking last night that it's, you don't have to have some special revelation from the Lord and, um, and figure out what text to teach and all this. Um, but everywhere that the, the Word of God is taught, there's definitely fruit from it. So we see that all the time. Nehemiah, 
Um, they read the book, and uh, it's because it's perfect, and that's God's will. Um, and you want to live in God's will. Uh, we see a, a mini revival here with uh, Joe Ash and um, a bigger revival with Josiah. Um, but the whole point of that, you know, if you remember the story of Josiah later on, that they didn't even know about the book. They didn't even know about the law, and they found it and read it, and it changed everything in their lives. So um, the book is to be with the king um, all the time. He reads it every day. That's a good picture to have for us. Um, other thing I notice here about Athaliah is that clearly she has no peace about what's going on here. Um, you know, if I was set up in my kingdom, that'll never happen, but set up in my kingdom, and I knew that my people were loyal to me, who cares? There's some yelling across the street. Who cares? Obviously, the ungodly have no peace. Um, you know, Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as lion. Um, in John 16.33, Jesus is speaking. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7, these are all verses that are very common. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. There's salvation in Jesus. That was the whole point um, of him coming into the world to save us from our sins. Um, but in this earth, he's given us peace. And that's, that's something that um, is not able to come by any other way. It clearly, clearly, Athaliah does not have that peace. Um, she sees something going on, and, uh, but why would she? You know, Why would you have peace if you didn't know God? You didn't know that eternally you were going to be taken care of. You understand why the world doesn't have peace and why the world has anxiety. Um, it's understandable. So, Athaliah here, um, she's going to meet her end, of course, just like everybody else, just like all the other wicked people. Um, so, in verse 15, And Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds and the officers of the army and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay with the sword whoever follows her. For the, for the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the horse's entrance into the king's house, and there she was killed. What do you think was going to happen? She, I, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, and we see it all the time, like, um, and we do it too. I'm, I'm not going to exclude myself, obviously, but when people, you know, you coworkers and family members, that you just want to be like, what did you think was going to happen? She just saw this happen to her father and her mother. She doesn't get, <laughs> sorry, I can't stop thinking about the horses trampling down on uh, Jezebel. But she heard that, you know, Ahaziah is killed. All of these things, what did you think was going to happen, you know? And so it's kind of frustrating when you see even us, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord, um, and other people in the world, like, you know, what did you think was going to happen? And, you know, as far as that goes, you know, in the last day, Jesus is going to be judging them and say, what did you think was going to happen? I told you. 
I told you exactly what was going to happen. There's no one will stand before God and say, I didn't know, man. I didn't know. This is your fault. I, I didn't know. Obviously, everyone's um, convicted within themselves, let alone um, all the things that come from the outside. Um, you know, did we not prophesy in your name? I never knew you. What did you, you know? What did you think was going to happen? So, no one's above God's law. We are not above God's law. When we read something in the scriptures, and it's like, yeah, you know, obviously I take this to heart. Um, but how stupid I seem when I'm like, yeah, I, I know he said that, but uh, I don't know. I think I'm okay. Um, bro, what did you think was going to happen? Um, Athaliah, what did you, it just, it doesn't make any sense, and we do it, so hopefully we kind of take that to heart, like, um, no one's above God's law, no one's above what God says is going to happen, that all of Ahab's house was going to be um, taken down, and it is. So they take her outside and they kill her. Um, in verse 17, and this is, you know, the good part now. So they've made uh, Joash, or Jehoash, um, the king. They've killed Athaliah. It's not enough, because we need what's next here. Verse 17, then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They thoroughly broke it, uh, broken pieces, its altars and images, and killed Matan, the priest of Baal, before the altars. And the priest appeared, uh, sorry, appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Then he took the captains of the hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord. It went by way of the gate of the escorts of the king's house. Then he sat on the throne of the kings. So all the people of the land rejoiced. The city was quiet or peaceful. Hadn't been that way for a while, obviously. For they had slain Athaliah with the sword in the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. So we get um, the bad people taken care of, the good person brought in, a covenant made between the people and the Lord. And I want to, we're going to go into 12 here. We're making good time. Good job, guys. Really good work. Um, let's read um, 1 through 3 in uh, chapter 12 here, okay? In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash became king and reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days. Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. But the high places were not taken away. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. So, um, we see that Jehoash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days that Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Um, so, whose covenant was it that was made in the end of the last chapter here? Was it Jehoash's covenant with the Lord? They didn't tear down the high places. They tore down the temple of Baal. Um, they didn't take care of all of it. They never do. <laughs> um, I don't know if that, I don't know. They never do. Um, we're not going to be perfected until we're out of this body, but they never do. And uh, so whose, whose covenant was it? It was Jehoiada's covenant. And um, 
Jehoash was just a kid at the time, understandably. But as long as he stayed under Jehoiada's um, uh, train, you know, that, uh, that he was okay. And we see that a lot, you know. Um, maybe a kid that's brought up in the church and they never had that personal relationship with God. And then when things happen, which they happen, you know, they always happen. People go out into the world and uh, you see, you know, when Jesus is talking about the seed that's scattered um, and what happens to it, um, you see the tribulations in the world and you see all these things, or you just get on Facebook once and then your whole faith is tested. Like, um, not for the believer, though, you know, not for the person that knows God personally, not for the person that fears God, not because of the things he's done for him or the people that he's placed around them, but fears God because of God. Um, they don't get moved, but anyone that has any kind of um, relationship with God other than Jesus himself is very susceptible to be shaken up and moved, and it happens. It happens a lot. Um, again, just read some things on Facebook. I wouldn't recommend it, by the way. Don't. Um, but uh, uh, insanity, man. Insanity in the world. But that's okay. Um, so here's the thing, though. Anybody who has their relationship with God based on anything other than Jesus Christ himself and their salvation based in him is totally able to be moved and tossed to and fro, and all of the scriptures that come to mind with that. Um, this is Hebrews um, chapter 6, verse 17 through 20. Thus God, this is really cool, it has to be Paul talking. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So Jehoash can have a high priest, um, Jehoiada, um, and that doesn't do much good when Jehoiada is not there, or at any point, he decides he doesn't want to listen to Jehoiada anymore. Same for us, I guess, but we have a high priest that doesn't go behind the curtain once per year. He's there. He lives there. Um, but listen to all the things immutable um, by two immutable things, impossible. We have strong consolation. Um, we lay hold of an anchor. This hope we have is an anchor for the soul, sure and steadfast. That's not, uh, that's not very shaky ground, right? Um, anyone whose life is, is lived on the rock, that's uh, placed their life on the rock, it's not shaky ground at all. It is for uh, Jehoash here. Um, but, you know, when the world shakes and everything, and it has, the rock doesn't move. You know, um, by the way, oh, here's the um, audience participation period, okay? You're excited, I can tell. 
Who was the man that built his house on the rock? Does anybody know? The wise man. Who was the man that built his house on the sand? The foolish man. You guys are good. I didn't know if anybody would get that. Who has a, a kid's song running through their head when they hear that? I do. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Happy Father's Day, Jack Becker, by the way. Um, but what made the person wise? Does anyone know? So this is at the end um, in Matthew chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, right? And Jesus ends with this, the wise man and the foolish man. So what makes a person wise, though? Anybody know? Both groups of people, and anyone who reads his word, anyone who's ever read the Sermon on the Mount, all of the people that were standing there, all of the disciples had a choice to make at that point. They'd all heard the word of God. But Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened to the man that built his house on the rock. Um, you know, if, if Jehoash is just living his life based on Jehoiada's um, counsel, you know, he's not doing the word of God. He's doing someone else's, what they've heard from the word of God. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man. It's the doing that makes a person wise, not the hearing. Um, the hearing does nothing for them. Likewise, if Jehoash, like was um, spelled out for him in Deuteronomy, had taken the book and wrote it all down and read it every day, um, it's still up to him whether he does it or not, whether he keeps the word of the Lord or not. Um, and so uh, we really, at the end here, um, find out that. I don't want to put too much on him. Um, he is left out of that um, when they're going through it in Matthew and the lineage of Christ, though. Interesting enough. So we're going to fly through the rest of this here. Um, verse 4. And Jehoash said to the priests, all the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord. Let the priests take it to, sorry, take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. Constituency and dilapidation. Um, that's why you read the New King James Version, I guess. It's not too hard, but you learn some big words. So... Um, now it was so by the uh, 23rd year of King Jehoash that the priests had not repaired the damages of the temple. So King Jehoash called Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, um, but deliver it for repair, uh, for repairing um, damages of the temple. And the priests agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the temple. I have no idea why. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going on here, whether there's um, a rift between Jehoiada and Jehoash or whether they just didn't want to do it or um, I have no idea. But they don't. Um, you know, uh, I have to think about whether I should say things sometimes. That's a good thing. Um, but they, uh, it, it's interesting here. Um, God's not poor. And if he wants to build a nice temple, he can do it. And he does it for Solomon. And they get enough money here to repair the temple and everything. But he does it by 
the gifts of the people, you know, and we're going to talk about gifts a little bit more here in 9 through 16, but, um, you know, it's okay to give money away, you know. I think so much, um, and we're not cheap people, but, you know, you think, like, I have to know where this is going to go. I have to know what's done with it. There has to be financial accountability. I need to see your tax returns before I'll give you money. Um, it's okay to be just generous. It's okay to be generous to your local church. It's okay to be generous to people. Um, and that's, that's what is happening here. The work gets done um, eventually here because um, people give money. So, um, so they give the assessment and the census money. Um, it's possible that they just didn't want to count the people, but they wanted to count the people. Last time when David counted the people, it didn't turn out very well. So they like, hey, let's just, everyone puts a coin in, we'll count the coins, not the people, um, maybe. But uh, that's how they're, they're taking a census here anyway. Um, and we know all that's laid out, that the, the priests doing the work would be paid by the people to do that work. Um, and uh, um, so that's the first part of it, is, is, is the money that's uh, being given just to, for the upkeep and everything. And then uh, verse 9, Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest, bored a hole in his lid, and set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. So it was, whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands of those who did the work, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to masons and stone cutters, and for buying timber and um, hewn stone, the repair of the damage of the house of the Lord, um, to repair the damage of the house of the Lord, and for all that was paid out to repair the temple. However, there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, trimmers, sprinkling bowls, trumpets, any article of gold, or articles of silver from the money brought into the house of the Lord. Um, but, let's see here. Yeah, but they gave that to the workmen, and they repaired the house of the Lord with it. Moreover, they did not require an account from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to be paid to workmen, for they dealt faithfully. The money from the trespass offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord, it belonged to the priests. So that money was set aside for the priests. The other money was set aside to pay people to come and repair the temple. And uh, there's lots of things just in, in real life to pull out of this, I guess. But, um, you know, the big thing I was thinking of, and it kind of harkens back to when the temple was being built in the first place, and all the people that um, had all these gifts that they brought, not a gift of money or silver or timber or gold, but a gift of craftsmanship. Um, you know, all the people that, that make the temple work, you know, um, all the people that make the church work, um, everyone using their gifts properly. Um, and, and I was thinking about this, and you know the parable of the talents, and a talent is just money, that's what it means. Um, 
And so when I read the parable of the talents, I really don't know exactly what to grab from it and what it means. But um, you remember the one guy had five, and he went and worked and got five more, and he gave the master back ten. The one guy had two. I'm making this up. I mean, it's in there, but I don't remember what it was. I'm not making it up. Um, <laughs> I could make it. No. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and likewise, he gets two. And then there's the one guy that was given one. Um, and then in Matthew 25, verse 24, Jesus says, Then he had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So, okay, it's about money. Verse 28, then, so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that took a weird turn at the end. Um, obviously, he's not talking about money. Obviously, he's not talking about just your gifts. Um, but... All I can gain from that, at least, is don't do nothing. That's a double negative, I know. Do something, you know. Um, With whatever the Lord has given you, the worst thing you can do is do nothing, obviously. Um, Now, you may be talking about faith, and um, you have to exercise your faith. If you don't, you will be cast out. Uh, There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, but, you know... um, you know, we stole these guys from Calvary Chapel, Columbia today, and they had to record their, um, their worship, and so that's what's being played at Columbia. What time does service start? Okay, so in just a few minutes. Um, amazing. But, you know, they're using their gifts. Obviously, they're incredibly talented. Um, and, of course, things like musicians and always get pointed out. Sorry. Um, but don't do nothing, you know. Um, these guys, these guys are just workers. They're people that, um, and this is when I tell you we're having a work day on July 11th, and you really need to come. And um, <laughs> but don't do nothing, you know. Um, and a lot of people struggle with I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know. Um, find out and use it, you know. Um, so anyway, I'll leave that in your court. So in verse 17, Hazael, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. Then Hazael set his face to go up to Jerusalem. And Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred things that his fathers, Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, kings of Judah, had dedicated in his own sacred things and all the gold found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and in the king's house and sent them to Hazael, king of Syria. Then he went away from Jerusalem. So um, I guess it's a good thing they didn't spend all that money. And, and uh, However, he doesn't seek the Lord and say, oh, by the way, Syria is going to come take us over. What should we do? Um, he just, in the flesh, takes all of his stuff and sends it to um, 
the king of Syria, and it does appease him. So um, that's fine, I guess. But um, you know, obviously, he didn't he didn't seek the Lord in it, and and what the Lord would have him to do. Maybe the Lord would have said, "Give him all your stuff. Who cares?" And then he's done. You know, um, maybe he would have said, "Go and kill them and and totally destroy Syria," and then the northern kingdom wouldn't have had you know. Yeah, it wouldn't have worked out because Syria is the one that, that punishes the northern kingdom. But um, he doesn't seek the Lord. We see that all the time. Um, verse 19, now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? Yes, they are. And his servants arose and formed a conspiracy and killed uh, Joash in the house of the Milo, which goes down to Silla. For Josachar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servant, struck him. So he died, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Again, what do you think was going to happen? You know, um, Ahab was taken out with a coup, basically, um, by Jehu. And then... Um, uh, they, Jehoiada, had under um, Athaliah's nose made this coup to put Joash um, as king. And now, seeing that, these guys just decide, we'll do the same thing. Take him out. Um, uh, it's a very ungodly heritage that they've received here, and it keeps repeating itself over and over. And we see that all the time. So, really quickly... I'm going to end back um, in 2 Kings 11.10. And if you've closed your Bible, that's okay. You don't have to open it. Um, because we read it already. And the priests gave the captains of hundreds the spears and the shields which had belonged to King David that were in the temple of the Lord. So it is Father's Day, and I wanted to maybe try to find something, which was difficult here. Um, but Ahab and Jezebel and Ahaziah and Athaliah had left a very ungodly heritage. And so what happens to Jehoash? Same thing. People raise up and they kill him, you know. Um, King David had left a very godly heritage. Um, now, this isn't like they took, they specifically, the writer puts in there, the spears and the shields, which had belonged to King David. Um, but they're using this to get rid of the ungodly queen and to bring up a godly man. Um, it's a very godly heritage that David left for the nation of Judah. That's why they have any hope. Um, and uh, so I think about that. Um, now, this wasn't like Luke's lightsaber or something. Like, all of a sudden, they're a great Jedi when they take these spears and shields. But, uh, um, but they specifically put in there, they were King David's. Um, and they were doing something that was good and godly here, I think, at least. And so... As a father, we'll just speak to fathers, I guess. Um, what's the heritage that you've left? You know, um, when Jehoash dies here, these people will come in and um, they will see his entire house, and they'll be able to see his checkbook, and uh, um, they'll know his children and everything. But all of us, of course. Um, have the opportunity to leave a godly heritage that even years later can say, um, you know, this is the Bible that, that Grandpa had. Um, 
the people can see that along the lines. Obviously, you want to be leaving a godly heritage for your children, for your grandchildren, for um, however the long the Lord tarries. But, um, you know, David had left a godly heritage for the southern kingdom of Judah that continued to this day. So um, it was not for nothing that that David did what he did. So I guess I just encourage you with that. And that's the only thing I can pull out that it was any... Um, anything to do with Father's Day. So there you go. Let's pray. We'll be done. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for your spirit and that you teach us, Lord. And um, uh, it's so easy to read your word and to um, give our hearts to you, Lord, and to know that your word is the word of God, and it's not just a book, and it's not something that we're just to take and write down and have, um, but to read um, all the days of our lives and and to live it, Lord. And so I just pray that this week, whatever you've spoken to us, Lord, that that we would take it to heart, Lord, and that um, that it, we would leave a godly heritage in everything that we do. Um, I want that for my life, Lord, um, every aspect of my life. And so we just pray today, Lord, that you would you would bless us this week. Pray you would bless all these people, Lord. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have a great week. If you would like uh, prayer, come on up. Be happy to pray with you.